listening to a podcast by Real Church and Pastor Noah Fritchie in Murfreesboro, Illinois. I want to thank you for joining us today, and I hope this message inspires you and builds your faith. Enjoy, and God bless. Today, we're starting a brand new teaching series, as you just seen on the, uh, the pre-roll here in the video. Uh, it's called Uncommon Love, and uh, we're going to be talking about that in just a minute. And, uh, but I'm excited. We're in a great season here at the church. In fact, uh, if you don't know this, uh, the Bible says that my role as your pastor is to lead you. Uh, it literally says to lead you and to feed you. In fact, uh, the pastor's role uh, is, is often referred to as a shepherd in the Bible. So I, I am your God-given shepherd, and uh, I, my role is to lead you to some green pastures to feed for a little bit. And that's what I see my role is. Uh, my role is here at this church, is to bring you into different seasons, if you will, or different hillsides, and, uh, and to let you just feed for a little while. And my job is to lead you uh, through those seasons and to feed you. And that, so that's my goal. And so uh, if you haven't caught on to that, uh, that's what we do as a church. We, we lead you to different seasons. In fact, we, we led you in January to a season of fasting and prayer, to, uh, to pray and fast together and to, and to grow spiritually closer and, and stronger. And that's what we've done. And then uh, you'll know that uh, in, the, in, in the summertime, uh, we focus on serving. I'll lead you to a season where we serve together as a church. And so we serve in the summer and there'll be events like VBS and uh, a conference for our youth motion conference and uh, we'll also have different things like an uh, all church serve day where we just go out into the community and it's a season of serving and then in the fall oftentimes we focus on reaching lost people and we go into that season of reaching our friends and family but today as we enter this I would call it this Valentine's Day season of life many of us are focused on relationships. And so as a church, as your pastor, uh, I'm doing my best to make sure that everything that we do in our church is based around strengthening your relationships. It's geared uh, to that very important area in your life. And so last Sunday, uh, if you were with us, you know that we launched our small group semester, our spring small group semester. And I'd encourage you, if you're not already in a group, uh, to, to jump into a small group and be a part of a small group and grow in your relationships in a group of people. There's many to choose from. Uh, there's a couple left open, and so find one that works for you. We have a group about every night of the week, and uh, we'd love for you to jump into a group and be a part and strengthen your relationships in that way. Not only are we doing that to strengthen your relationships, but this weekend is our marriage conference, and so Friday night and Saturday morning, uh, many of us are focused on strengthening our relationships uh, with strengthening uh, this all-important relationship in our life. And then not only are we having all of them, not only are we inviting you to get in a group and getting to uh, our go to the marriage conference, but today in the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about here in person to uh, how do we strengthen our relationships. We're going to be in a teaching series really on a book of the Bible that's all about relationships, which is the Song of Solomon. It's the Song of Solomon. And uh, in fact, if you're going to be with us for the next four weeks, I'd encourage you to find a Bible plan to read through the Song of Solomon with us together uh, so you're already ready for whenever we bring some scriptures. And uh, before we get into this message, because messages on relationships can be kind of tricky, everybody. Also, messages on relationships can be kind of messy. How many of you know that? You've been in a messy relationship before. Uh, relationships are just messy. And so before we get into uh, the message today about relationships, because really we're going to talk about what an ideal relationship looks like. We're going to talk about what God wants our relationships to look like. And I guarantee none of us have all these boxes boxes checked. And so before we get into this, I want to lay out a few ground rules that I think you need to agree to as we jump into this message. In fact, the first ground rule that I would say is that anytime we, we jump into a relationship message, we have a tendency to set and hear it for somebody else. <laughs> we, want to, we, want to, uh, we want to relate this message to anyone else but ourselves. But today, I want to encourage you uh, to, to listen to it for yourself. Like, no, 
elbowing your spouse today uh, or the person next to you and saying, hey, you need to work on that. Let's think about this for ourselves and how we can truly uh, apply this to our life. The second thing I want to encourage you, another rule that I want us to follow, this is a big one, is that I don't want you looking back today. When it comes to relationships, a lot of us have the tendency to look back at what has happened. We have the tendency of looking back and saying, well, because that happened in my life, that doesn't really qualify me uh, to have a good godly relationship anymore. Um, in fact, sometimes when we look at scripture, it can be really intimidating uh, because scripture tells us how relationships can be. But many of us, we tend to filter our relationships by what has happened. But here's what you need to know today, and here's the good news about our God, everybody, is that our God, he makes all things new. In fact, he's in the business of making all things new. That's who he is. He's in the business of fresh starts. And so today, I don't want you to look back. I don't want you to just focus on the past relationships. I I put in my notes today, I don't care if you've got 13 divorces, you can get the next one right, everybody. Like, you can can fix this one. Let's just look forward and see how how we can get this one right. Because we all have a past, every single one of us, and we all need some cleaning up, uh, but we just need to let Jesus make all things new. Am I right, everybody? We just need to let Jesus make all things new. And so that's my encouragement for you today. And the third and last ground rule that I want to give you today is really for me, uh, a promise from me to you is that I'm not going to pull any punches today. Meaning that the the Bible, and and specifically this book of the Bible, is a very graphic book. In fact, there's a whole chapter about lovemaking, everybody. (laughs) An entire chapter where it actually describes their honeymoon in detail. In vast detail, uh, yes, men, that is February 21st, if you want to jot that down. Uh, But uh, it's a graphic book, and uh, there, there is literally a place where it says that they made love all night long. You know, I, I, listen, Lionel Richie didn't come up with the song. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't him. It was actually, it was God, everybody. <laughs> it, 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 was, it, was, it was from him first. And it literally, and we're going to get to that. In fact, uh, we're going to get to that in, uh, in, in the third week of this series. So in two weeks, we're, it's literally going to be a focus on, uh, on that uh, on that chapter of the Bible. And so we're going to read what the Bible says, but it's pretty graphic. And so with that in mind, if you've got kids under the age of 13, uh, we've got great children's classes and you can send them down there. That's your call. Um, but I promise to you, it'll be appropriate for 13 and older. In fact, here's what I really do believe. I just believe that the church should be a place where we're talking about these things. I think church should be the place where we, where we introduce these things. Like we don't need to let the world, the locker room, we don't need to let the internet define what love is and what uh, re- uh, relationships are. We need to let Jesus define our relationships, everybody. And so that's why we're talking about it here. That's why we're here in church to really... Talk about this uncommon love that the world can't give us. And so today, as we study this book, there's a couple of things that you need to understand about the Song of Solomon. Uh, Solomon uh, was a man, was really like his father, David. If you know David in the Bible, you know David wrote all kinds of songs. In fact, there's the book of Psalms uh, that is all of a, a lot, mostly David's uh, songs in there. And David was a great songwriter, and his son Solomon is, is really the same way. In fact, literally what the book of, the Song of Solomon book means is really, the literal translation is really song of songs, meaning that just out of all the songs that I've wrote, this is the best one. Like these are, these are the best of the best. In fact, if you have a, probably if you have a, a more traditional, uh, like a King James Bible translation, it probably, instead of Song of Solomon, it probably actually calls that book the Song of Songs because it really is just the best of the best. In fact, First Kings says that Solomon wrote 1,005 songs. That's a lot of songs to write, and uh, he, he, he wrote all of those, and of all of them that, that he penned, of all of them that he wrote, it says that this was the best of the best. This is the greatest, this is the greatest one uh, that he wrote. And so really what this is, is that what we're going to look at today, this was a song, really this whole book was devoted to really describing human love 
in graphic detail, but it has one thought in mind. Solomon wants us to really get this thought as we go through this. If you're taking notes, I would write this down, that God's way not only works, not only does God's way work, but it's better, everybody. It's better than the world's way. Not only does it work well, but it's better, meaning that you're going to enjoy it so much more. And in this song, there's three characters that we see that keep showing up. In fact, I'm going to give you these. These are not in your notes. If you want to jot these down, you can. But these are three characters that really, uh, in the Song of Solomon, these characters keep showing up. In fact, I, I like to refer to it more as a play. Um, oftentimes, uh, if one person is talking and then in, in, in mid-verse, another person starts talking. And so uh, I, I might eventually put it in play format for you, uh, but I didn't have time to do that with you this week. But here's the three characters that really this whole book goes through. The first one is the lover, which is Solomon. Solomon is the lover. The beloved is the Shulamite maiden, which is Solomon's wife, uh, who, who would be, uh, let me say that, let me, it, would, it would, would be, eventually will be Solomon's wife, because this book describes the Shulamite maiden, that uh, it really describes how, how her and Solomon met, it describes how they dated, it describes their honeymoon night, it describes how they fought, and it describes how they finished, which, by the way, that's all the message titles of this entire series. We're going to go through all of those different things about dating, a honeymoon, uh, how they fought, and how to finish well. We're going to look through all of that, and that's really what this book describes. And then finally, the friends at the bottom uh, are just, the friends come from the daughters of Jerusalem. So anytime that you see the daughters of Jerusalem in scripture, it's just like, it's wrote just like this chorus of friends around them, this, these, these friends who are watching the relationship. Relationship, who, uh, who oftentimes are in awe of the relationship, who are, who are looking in. And um, today you'll see that the friends actually provide a correction to the relationship today. So uh, what's confusing is, is that they often shift. Uh, the, the person who's talking, they shift from verse to verse. And I'm going to do my best uh, to do the hard work and decipher those uh, for you today. Um, and I'll try to tell you who's speaking. Um, but before, before we get into it, I just got to shout out, there's a, there's a couple of people who really make this a lot easier for me while I'm studying the scripture. Tommy Nelson is a, a master at the book of the Song of Solomon. Got a lot of content from him today. And Pastor Chris Hodges also teaches a great series on the same thing. And uh, I'm pulling a lot from their messages. And uh, to really help you understand the best of the Song of Solomon today. And so let's get into it. If you've got your Bibles, it's Song of Solomon, chapter 1, uh, verse 1 is where we're going. And I think the theme of the entire book really comes from these, uh, from these verses here. It starts off by saying, this is Solomon's Song of Songs. Remember, this is the best of the best. And it starts off with the wife talking here. And the wife is saying, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. The, the wife just basically starts this book off by just saying, hey, I, I, I know a guy, by the, I, I know Solomon. And listen, Solomon has figured out this type of human love, and he's figured out relationships. Essentially what she's saying, he's done it better than anybody else. He's done it so much better than anybody else. And, and can I just challenge you today that as we look into these relationships and as we want to get, uh, as we want to have good relationships, it's more than just a relationship with your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever. It's more than that. I, I would challenge you to look at the way that you treat the people that you love the way that you treat your kids, the way that you treat your family members, the way that you treat your coworkers or your boss, that all these principles that we're going to talk about today not only applies to your lover, but it applies to the people in your circle that you love as well. And essentially, that's what the wife says. The wife starts this book by just saying, Solomon, the way that you love is more delightful than anybody else. It's more delightful than any good wine. It's just so great. In fact, she goes on to say, pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes, which means that it doesn't just mean that Solomon smelled good because he probably didn't smell too good, honestly. Uh, it, it, but she just says, uh, what she's saying by this is she's just saying that everywhere that Solomon goes, everywhere he walks into, there's just, there's just something about him that just lights up the room. Like when you walk, you can just, you just know that he's there, which by the way, that's our goal. Like that's my goal in life, that everywhere that I walk into, like whether I walk into my home, 
home, our school, or work, or wherever it is, every place that I go, I just pray that people just would say, oh, wow, Noah's here, and it's better because he's here. Like, there's a different atmosphere because he's here, and you need to be that type of person. Like, what if you would walk into the room? What if you walked into your workplace, and they're like, wow, I'm so glad he's here today because it's just so much better when he's around. There's just a fragrance that's in the air that it's just so much better when he, he or she is there. You need to be that type of person. We want to be that type of person. That's what, uh, that's what Solomon's uh, wife eventually would say about him is that, wow, he's, there's just something about him that there's just something different in the air when he's around. In fact, she goes on to say, your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder all the other maidens love you. No wonder all the other women are in love with you. No wonder they flock towards you. No wonder they want to be with you. And, it, and, and so she just, she's really just bragging on her husband here, just saying, wow, he's, some, he's an awesome guy. And I promise you, here's what I would, I, would like, I would like for you today. Like, listen, if you would just commit today and the next four weeks of really studying this way of love, the way this chapter starts, if you would commit to studying this way of God's love, I think you can become experts in this topic. And I think you can be, learn to treat the people that you love in the right way. And it can begin to change your relationships. It can change the dynamics of the people that you're around. I just encourage you to be a part of that uh, today. And so that's really what sets up the book uh, in verse 1 through 3. But then I want us to look at verse 4. Because verse 4 really takes us um, to... What I believe is today's topic, um, really what today's topic is. In fact, let me show you this here. It says, it's, it's the lady saying this again, take me away with you. Let us hurry. Let the king bring me into his chambers, which is the bedroom, everybody. She's getting a little excited here. She wanted to, let me, let me get to the bedroom. And, and then the friends speak up and the friends say, we rejoice and we delight in you. We will praise your love more than wine, how right they are to adore you. And so the friends are now, the friends now turn to Solomon's wife and is like, wow, we adore you. Like, how did you get this man? Like, how are you around this guy? How, how did you score this guy? And, uh, and she says, I, I, I'm not really all that lucky. Instead, she says, dark am I, yet lovely. In fact, she really starts right here with the topic of attraction. By her saying this, she's just saying, I'm really not that attractive. She's essentially saying, when she says, dark am I, in fact, let's just read the rest of this. It says, oh, daughters of Jerusalem, dark like the tents, dark like the curtains of Solomon, do not stare at me because I am dark, because I am darkened by the sun. My mother's sons were angry with me, and they made me take care of the vineyards. But my own vineyard, I've neglected. She says all this, and it just meaning that she's, she's not the most attractive woman. The daughters of Jerusalem are looking at her kind of in awe, like, how did you get this husband? And she says, she basically says, well, it, it definitely wasn't the physical attraction. Because she says, I, I'm dark. And meaning dark is, is, in that culture, would have been uh, this idea that she worked out in the vineyards. And so she was in the sun all day. And so she was, she was dark. And that really, that would just mean that her skin was dried out. Her skin was probably cracked, and, and today it's actually, it's actually something that we like. We all like tanned bodies. In fact, many, some of us, we go in tan, and we apply all this different stuff to make ourselves look tanner, and it's an attractive thing. But back in the day, it wasn't attractive because it, was, it just meant that, your, son, or that your, your skin was probably all dried out and cracked, and it just meant that you had to do some physical labor, labor outside in the fields. And right off the bat, she basically says, I'm, I'm not the most attractive woman. I didn't get Solomon because I was physically attractive. In fact, she says, my own vineyard I've neglected, meaning that my own body, I haven't even took care of myself. I've neglected my own body. And so she says, I, I, she, she can't really help that she's this way because she's been forced to work in the vineyards. But she does say in, in this, in scripture, she's essentially saying, but I've made some decisions beyond the physical that makes me attractive. I've made some inward decisions that even though I might not be physically attractive, I, I, I've made some better decisions to make me attractive. And I think right off the bat, she's saying that if you're going to have a godly, full of love relationship, she says you need to get past the physical. 
You don't just need to be worried about what my skin looks like. No, you need to get way past the physical. In fact, I would say this, that the physical has its place, and you're going to see that today. There is a place for the physical, but it's not our focus, everybody. The physical isn't our focus. Instead, she says, here's, here's the wife talking here. She says, tell me, you whom I love, where you graze your flock and where you rest your sheep at midday, why should I be like a veiled woman? Essentially, what she's saying is, why should I be like everybody else? Why do I need to be like the rest of the women? I don't need to be like the rest of the women. Those women that are beside the flock, of, of, of your friends? Why should I be like all those other women? In fact, these veiled women that she's talking about here is these women who would go out in, uh, uh, towards the end of the workday and they'd just be out and they'd be all dressed up and they'd be flaunting their bodies at all the men who are essentially getting off work from the fields. Like the men would go out and they would work and when the men got tired and when they were tired and wanting some love, everybody, they were right there at the edge of the field to really seduce them into love. Uh, and, and quite honestly, these people, these, these veiled women, just to put it in plain, in plain English, they're prostitutes. That's who they, that's what they are. They would just go out and find the next man to, uh, to be with. And, and she says, you know what? I've set some standards and I'm not going to be like that. I've decided that I'm not going to be like one of those veiled women. And guess what? It was attractive to Solomon. Because the friends were like, how did you get with him? And she's saying, well, this is how I wasn't like everybody else. I didn't have to be like everyone else. And I think it's awesome because Solomon is like, you know what? I'm looking for a woman different than all the other women. I'm looking for somebody with some standards. And honestly, I believe that Solomon had this first attraction that we see. In fact, if you're taking notes, write this down. The first one is spiritual attraction. In fact, one of the most attractive things that I believe you can do and you can offer any relationship that matters to you is how much you love God. It's how spiritually attractive you are. Listen, you need to be that type of uh, you need to be that type of man or woman that just says, "You know what? I'm looking for someone with some standards in my life. I'm looking for someone who's in love with God." And I'm telling you, it becomes attractive to that person. My wife's in here today. I, I, I just I was attracted to my wife spiritually when I saw she worshipped like no other. Like she had her hands up, raised in church. She was in love with God. And can I tell you, when I saw that she was in love with God, there was an attraction to that. There was something that I wanted from that. I'm like, I want to be around her. I want to be with her because obviously she has some type of relationship with God that is interesting to me that I want to get to know. And it's true. There's a spiritual attraction to that and you need to work on it. In fact, I want to just give you three quick things to make, I, I believe that can help make you spiritually attractive. The first one is this, is that you just need to begin to love and worship God. Can I tell you, worshiping God is attractive. And I know that might be easy for some women and for whatever reason, but uh, for a lot of us men, we, we struggle with it more than women. Um, I think especially if we grew up in traditional denominational churches, um, it's hard for us uh, to, to really uh, have this, uh, to, to really be able to freely worship if we didn't grow up around it. But can I tell you, the Bible says, in fact, in the biggest book of the Bible, in the book of Psalms, it talks about this expressive worship. Where not only were there was one hand raised or two hands raised, but David was in the streets dancing. Like I couldn't imagine. It's hard to believe because some people can't even get their hands out of their pockets during worship. In fact, the book of Psalms really describes worship more like a football game, everybody, with people cheering and clapping and yelling and being excited. I mean, that's what it is. In fact, I just think it's so funny that so many of us will literally go home today, watch the Super Bowl on TV and be yelling at a screen cheering for someone we don't even know, but we won't cheer for the God who created us and the God who loves us. We won't even get our hands out of our pockets for him. I, it's just, it's interesting to me. Can I just tell you, I, I just want to submit to you today that maybe, maybe people, I, I think a lot of people won't worship because they think, well, if I, if I worship in front of so-and-so or if they see me with my hand up, they might think I'm crazy. Can I tell you, I don't, people won't think you're crazy. Let me just, let me just ask you this and maybe you can consider this. Would they might respect you just a little bit more? 
Would they, they, they might look at you a little bit different. They might have a little bit of a higher respect for you. And I just want to challenge you. Get your hands out of your pockets. Get your hands out of your pockets and begin to worship. In fact, one of the most attractive things in the world, I think, is for you to worship and show your love to God. Here's another tip I think that makes you spiritually attractive is this, is that you need to pursue your God-given purpose. You need to decide, you know what, I'm not just going to be here at church. I'm not just going to sit and take it all in, but I'm going to find a purpose. No, put me on a team somewhere. No, help me, help me serve somewhere. You know, I, I want to paint something or sweep something or click something in the tech booth. I, 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 I need a purpose. Get a purpose. And you, you might need to say to your wife, you know what, honey? Listen, we're, we're going to go to the 9 o'clock service, but then we're going we're gonna to watch the kids at the 11 o'clock. We're going to serve together. Maybe you need to serve together with your spouse somewhere. I, I don't know what it is for you, but it becomes attractive. Listen, you, you have a purpose. That's why we do these events. You saw in church news that we do the real purpose event. That's happening next week to get you plugged in. You need somewhere to get involved and, and to begin to make a difference. And can I tell you, there's an attraction to that. Can I just submit to you that when you begin to find, when you find your purpose and when you begin to make a difference, I'm telling you, your friends, the community, your spouse will look up to you. They'll say, wow, look at what he's doing. Look at the difference that he or she is making. And they'll begin to look up to you. They'll have a higher respect for you. In fact, not only that, but I, I, I would just challenge not, not just the married people or, or the people uh, or the couples, but I'd, I'd encourage you singles out there as well, that when you're dating someone, hey, when you go and you take your date out to Chili's, you, 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 you bring them to church next, everybody. Like, you, you know, get, get, them, get them some of those good, you know, the chips and salsa at Chili's, but then bring them to church, everybody. And listen, you watch how they worship God. And if they got their hands in their pockets and they're texting on their phone during service, then you need to find your another brother, everybody. You need to find somebody else. Get somebody that'll be engaged with you. Get somebody who likes to worship. Listen, if he don't even want to come to church with you, you need to dump his little butt and get, and get over it, everybody. No, find somebody else. You know what? I, I'm, just, I'm just unapologetically preaching today because you just need to be like, you know what? I'm sorry, but I've got some standards. I, I hold myself to a higher standard. And you, I, you just need to get some of that in your life. I think so many people, in fact, you need to look for somebody who has godly standards. Look for somebody who's got some godly standards. And some of you, you need to be like, you know what? Hey, I, I know we're dating, and, uh, but let me, let me just tell you where, how far this is going to go. You need to set some standards in your life. Now, when you get married, that's a whole different subject. But you need to, you need to now begin to set standards in your relationship. But you just need to say, you know what? We're just not going to let this get out of hand. In fact, especially young ladies, you need to have those conversations with those crazy guys out there because they're, they're, they're after something that, that they don't need to be after. And, you, and you, need to, you need to have this conversation of, hey, this is how far this relationship is going to go. And if you like it, you can put a ring on it, everybody. Right? I mean, that's, 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 that's how it works. And I, I, listen, you just need to decide that you're not going to be a veiled woman. You're not going to be like all the other women, those women that are the, the prostitutes waiting on the edge of the field. You're not, you're not going to be like that. Instead, you need to have some standards and decide that you're not going to pursue something outside of the will of God. And can I tell you, it's spiritually attractive. It is attractive, and you'll, you'll find you. It might take a little bit, but you'll find someone who has godly standards, and it'll pay off one day in the long Run. You need to find somebody that's spiritually attractive. And in the same way, you need to be spiritually attractive. Because guess what, everybody? You're a spiritual being. I know we like to think that, that we're, we're this physical being on earth. Listen, you have this physical body that is very, very temporary. First and foremost, God made you as a, as a spiritual being. That's who you are, and that's why you need to be spiritually attractive. And I believe when you develop the spiritual side, not just the relationship between you and your spouse or you and your boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever, I think when you develop the spiritual side, every relationship is effective in your family and your friends and, and, and with your coworkers, whatever it is, every relationship can improve when you have these things. You with me, everybody? You with me? Let's be spiritually attractive. Here's the second thing that I want to talk about today. We're going to pull it from uh, verse 9 through 14, if you're in your Bibles with me today. It's really this. It's, it's, this is Solomon talking, and Solomon is saying, 
I liken you, my darling. Meaning that just, I think this is kind of a crappy translation here. In fact, I really, when, when it says I liken you, a, a better translation is just Solomon saying, you're my best friend. Like there's so much, I, I, I like you so much more than, than everything else. You're, you're just my friend. He enjoyed that they, like Solomon obviously is, you'll find out that Solomon really enjoyed that they were going to have a physical relationship one day. But he says here, it's way more than that. That not only, not only do we have that, but we're friends. But I just like being around you. I just like talking to you. In fact, it, it, goes, it, it goes on to say, uh, to a mare harnessed to one of the chariots of Pharaoh. What he's saying here is that, that Pharaoh, Pharaoh had these horses that were just like nothing else. Pharaoh's horses were a priceless commodity, everybody. They were like no other horses that anyone else could have. And so when he says, you're, you're like one of these horses of, of Pharaoh's, he's not, hey, that, that doesn't sound like a compliment uh, to our day and age to be a horse like Pharaoh's. Uh, but he's actually just saying, hey, listen, you're a priceless commodity. You're like no one else. That's why I like you. In fact, he says, your cheeks are beautiful with earrings, your neck with strings of jewels. We will make, uh, we will make you earrings of gold studded with silver. And it goes on to say that while the king was at his table, my perfume spread it's fragrance. And that might not make a lot of sense to you. Let me just put, put it in English for you. He's, essentially what he's saying here is that even in public, even at the king's table, you honor me. Even at the king's table, you're talking about me. You're spreading, the, you're spreading my fragrance everywhere. And she was just, she, she was just celebrating the fact that even, even around our friends, you're talking about how, how awesome I am. You're spreading my fragrance everywhere. And, and it goes on to say, my lover is to me a sachet of myrrh resting between my breasts. I have no idea what a sachet of myrrh is, but you probably want to be there, right? <laughs> All you men said amen, you know? It's like, uh, that, that's, I just, I, <laughs> come on, somebody. I, I just say That's not what she's saying. That's not what she's saying. What she's saying here is, is even when I'm away, you're close. Even, even, even when we're away from each other, I'm thinking about you. I'm holding you close to my heart. You know, like we're, we're so much more than just the physical. We're, we, we, we've, just got this, we, we've just got this friendship where I just love to be around you. Listen, my, it says, it goes on to say, my lover is to me a cluster of hinnom blossoms from, from these great vineyards here. And that's what, what, what she's saying here is that this is so much more than physical. There's so much more than physical. I've got an emotional attraction to you. In fact, listen, married couples, I, I think I, the, the trouble in a lot of marriages is just the simple fact that we don't, we don't spend the time feeding the emotional side. Oftentimes when, they, when life gets busy in our relationships, we just stop feeding the emotional side. We go to work, we come home, we sleep, we, 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 do our, we do our thing, but we don't invest in the emotional attraction. In fact, young people, just test this in your dating relationship. Like, listen, I know a lot of us, we're getting, uh, we're, we're getting a real busy with school and, and, and sports are starting back up and things are starting to open back up and that's great, but it's probably affecting your relationships because you're so busy, you're not spending time with this emotional, you're not you're not feeding the emotional needs of your significant other. You just need to work on the emotional side. And today, I want to give you three things to help you work, work on the emotional side real quick. Number one is this, is that you need to value them. How do you work on the emotional side? You value people. That's just like, just like what Solomon told his wife. Hey, you're like one of Pharaoh's horses. You're the best, and there's no one like you. You're so great. You're so awesome. And I know maybe some of you ladies are in here today, and you're like, well, but he's not. <laughs> he, he, he's just not all that. Like, hey, you haven't seen him. Like, it's just, he's not there. There's way better guys out there. Maybe that's what you're thinking. But listen to me this morning. Listen, if you don't like what you're seeing, you need to look at what you're saying. If you don't like what you're seeing in your relationship, look at what you're saying. Because I can promise you, listen, if you see it, they will become it. If you start calling it out in them, if you begin to raise their value, 
things will begin to change. I think that's why, that's why here at the church, we honor people even when they, sometimes they don't even deserve it. But we still honor them. We still value them. You know why? Because when you honor somebody, it raises their value and then they literally begin to become it. They literally start walking that very thing out. And you need to do that. You need to value the people in your relationships. Here's the second thing. You need to speak life. Just speak life. Watch your words. Which, by, and by the way, like, listen, I'm going to give you a few tips in this one. Here's men. Here's what a lot of ladies like. Ladies like to just hear about who they are. Here's what I mean. Ladies just like to, I, like, like, listen, I know a lot of men are focused on everything that they do wrong. But if you would just focus on what they do right, like, hey, you're, you're, you look beautiful today. Listen, there's no one like you, just like the, the horses. You're, maybe, I don't know if the horse's comment would, would be nice to your wife. Uh, if, <laughs> I need to understand it in context. But you're, you're like one of Pharaoh's horses, you know. And uh, <laughs> just, you're, you're better. You're so great. You're so much better than everybody else. Which, by the way, I do this to you. At church, I do this to our congregation. I Listen, I know that you've messed up this week. I, I know that you've been in trouble this week. I know that you've disappointed God this week. And I have to, everybody. Listen, we, we, we all have. But I don't come in here and say, oh, you're just a dirty, filthy, rotten sinner. And you deserve to go burn in the lake of fire. Yeah, I, that, that might be true to some extent. But I don't just tell you who you are. Instead, I call out, I speak life into you. And I tell you who you can become. I tell you, I, and, and, and can I just tell you, and then when we speak life over people, all of a sudden, we see all the time as a church where people start, all of a sudden, they're stepping out of that muck that they've been in, and, and they've been, they're stepping out of the, the, the tragedy that they've been through, and they start walking in who God created them to be. That's who we are. That's what we do. I'd encourage you, speak life into those all-important relationships. In fact, men... Here's, or, or ladies, let me just tell you what men like to hear from personal experience, all right? Listen, men like to hear what we do. We just like to, we just like to know, we, like, like, listen, if I wash the dishes, I just want somebody to acknowledge that I wash the dishes and they look nice. You know, like if I did the laundry, a simple thank you for doing the laundry would be, I just want to know. Like if, if, I, if I mowed the grass and I got it in perfectly straight lines, like wouldn't you just come in the house and just say, wow, the yard looks so nice. Like that's all we need sometimes. That's, I, that's really, I, we, we just need somebody to acknowledge the things that we do. And if you would just do, if you would just begin to talk about that, if you would just begin to lift people up, speak life into them. I'm telling you, your, your relationships can be different. But let me give you a warning today, because with both of those examples, with, with, with both ladies and, and men, I, the, the, the simple fact is, is that if, if you don't speak life into them, someone else will. Someone else will. I, 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 just, I, I truly do believe that adultery doesn't just happen because of sexual desires. I think the main cause of adultery is often because there's this vacuum in the home of this. There's this vacuum where, where, where there's, there's just, just no more love or admiration. There's just no emotional connection anymore. And everyone needs an emotional connection. And can I tell you, if, if you don't have that, the devil will make sure you do. The devil knows what he's doing. He'll make sure somebody will come into your life. He'll, he'll make sure that somebody comes to your husband and says, wow, how do you do it? Wow, you're so incredible. I don't know how you put up with all that every week. Man, you do such a great job. Wow, I, I, I so respect you. And all of a sudden, he entertains that thought. And it's like, it, it, like wow, I like hearing that. I, I, I like people speaking good things about me. And that leads to more. In fact, husbands, I think it's the same way. The, the, the devil will come after your wife and with, with, with somebody who will just come to your wife and just say, Tell me more. Tell me more about your day. Tell me more about your problems. Tell me more about what's happened. I think, in fact, I think the most sexy words a woman could hear is, and then what happened? <laughs> and, and I, just, just tell me, like, I just, I just want to know a little bit more. I, I, I like that one. But it's the truth. If you don't watch it, there'll be a man that'll come into your woman's life. He'll say those words and one thing will lead to another. And for many of us, that's where a lot of our broken relationships have come from. It's from just a lack of emotional connection. But not only this, 
Not only speaking life, but I think it's also important that we do this. This is a really important thing, in my opinion, is you just need to begin to think good thoughts about them. Like, listen, no, that's at home, just be thinking good things about them. Like, listen, Solomon's wife was at home, and she wasn't thinking, oh, my gosh, Solomon's late from work. I bet he's out sleeping around on me. You know, it's not, it's not what he, no, she said, he's like a sachet of myrrh between my breasts, everybody. Yeah. He, he's close, he's close to home. Like, wow, he's so awesome. And you've, I, I, this is a huge one, destroys a lot of marriages over just conspiracies. You need to control your thoughts because the devil will make sure he'll, he'll, he'll give you a narrative about your spouse that is not true. And you'll begin to believe it. And not only that, but then it'll go in reverse order. And then you'll be, you'll be, you'll be speaking the wrong things over them. You'll be asking them the wrong questions. It, it just, think good thoughts. I want you to look at this last one before we end today. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. Um, but here's, uh, in, in chapter 1, verse 15, it says, How beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. You are, your eyes are like doves. Notice that he doesn't just start with the other parts of the body. He starts with the eyes. In fact, the rabbis often taught that the eyes revealed the soul. And then she says this. She's, uh, and then here's the, the woman speaks up. His wife speaks up and says, how handsome you are, my lover. Oh, how charming. And our bed is verdant. The beams of our house are cedars and our rafters are firs. What they're saying here is that essentially that the physical is good. Like she's, she's ready to get to bed. Like the bed, is, the bed is warmed up and ready is what she's saying. But it, it, and so essentially, like, and, and let me just tell you this, the physical is good. God created it. In fact, don't ever feel bad for having a sexual attraction. Listen, God put that very thing there. But the problem is, is that often the devil just wants to take that thing that God wants to use for good, and he wants to skew it and, per, and pervert it, and that's where we get in trouble with it. In fact, they said, really what they're saying here is that the secret is, is that they've built their relation, before they even get to the physical, before they get to the bed, and the bed's ready, before they get to the bed, they've said that they've built their relationship on the right things. When it says the beams of their house are like cedars and their rafters are like firs, they're just saying that, that we've spent some time finding the right type of wood, the strongest, the strongest things that we could find to build our relationship. Here, that, that's essentially what they're saying is before we get to the physical, we've made sure we've got, we've got the spiritual right. We've got the emotional right. Before we get to the physical, we've worked on our relationship. Relationship. And, and you're going to have this. You're going to get to the physical, and, but, but you've got to do it right. You've got to make sure it's built on the right things. And so here's the third one, is that physical attraction. This order is very important. And like I said, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this today because in two weeks, that's going to be the entire message. But they did, they did this, and, and they did it right. In fact, in the next chapter, if you, were, if you remember the beginning of the message, we saw uh, the lady, she talked about how her skin was, was dark and dried out and how she just didn't feel beautiful. But at the end, in fact, in this next chapter, in, in chapter two, she literally says, because of the way Solomon loved her, she didn't feel like that gro old, gross woman anymore. Instead, she said, because of your love, Solomon, I'm a rose of Sharon. I'm a lily of the valleys. And then he pipes up, Solomon pipes up and says, not only are you those things, but you're like a lily among thorns. A lily among thorns is my darling among all the maidens, among all the other women. She stands out. In fact, then watch this. They're kind of having some, uh, this nice talk here. And then... She speaks up and says, strengthen me with raisins, to which a lot of us, that doesn't make a lot of sense to us. But raisins, essentially, back in the day, uh, it's kind of a funny line right here, because raisins are like chocolates to us today. Like, they're just, so essentially what she's saying here is she's like, go get the chocolates. I'm ready now. Like, I want you now. 
And, and, and they're just engulfed in these emotions. And she says, refresh me with apples, for I'm faint with your love. It says his left arm is under my head, and his right arm embraces me. They're in make-out position, everybody. <laughs> that's, that's where they are. And, and here, here we are. But then, they're to this point, they're just engulfed in emotions. And then the daughters of Jerusalem, remember the friends, they speak up. And they say, ah. I charge you by the, by the gazelles and by the does of the field, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Essentially, it's the friend's way of saying, it's good that you've got this physical attraction and it has its place, but not right now. Not yet. Not yet. Let me tell you something. God created the physical attraction God created sex. He created the beauty of it. He created every part of it. But if you get it out of place, it can be some of the most destructive things that you'll go through in your life. Listen, we're, we're going to get into that in a couple weeks, and, and we're going to learn about that in two weeks, because it's a part of who God is, and it has its place. But the friends speak up and say, hey, not now, not yet. It has its place. And I know that as we end today, I know some of you, you're probably in this room thinking, well, you're, you're probably like, huh, but you don't know my spouse. But you, you, you don't know my past. You don't know what I've been through. Maybe you're in this room. Maybe you're watching online with us today. And you're just saying, oh, well, Pastor Noe, you're just painting a picture that isn't even possible for me in my life. Today, I just want to end the message with this. We talked a lot about relationships, but I, I just want to challenge you with this thought. Listen, if you would just remove, if you would remove it from you or your spouse or whoever, whoever, whatever relationship, if you would just remove that person from that situation that you're thinking of, and if you would just begin to look at the love between you and God, can I tell you that's where you were too? In fact, when I came to God, probably like you, I was unfaithful, I was immoral, I was messed up. Listen, there was nothing about me that was even attractive. There was, not, there was no reason God should have, I was just not attractive to God, and you probably weren't either. In fact, God had every right to say to me that he didn't want me. And quite honestly, he would have been right because I was unfaithful, I was sinful, I, I, I didn't do the right things. But the good news is, is instead of denying me, instead of putting me off, instead he, he decided to love the unlovely. And not just blindly, by the way, like he knew that I was an imperfect person, but he knew that if he loved me, I'd begin to change. And I'm here today to tell you that the Lord has changed me in that way. And now, because of that, even sometimes when I look at people and I think they're kind of unlovely, because of the way God has loved me, oftentimes I have the capacity to even love some of the most unlovely people in my life. And so if you went through this whole message today and you felt like this whole thing sounds impossible, it absolutely is without God. You want to get your relationship back on track? You're not going to do it without him. And in fact, I just want to invite you. This is really the start of a great season in our ministry. And I just want, I just want to invite you to be with, all in with this series with me. And would you just let God do a work in your life? Would you let God begin to heal some of the things that are going on in your relationships? Would you let God begin to free you some of your, uh, from some of your past relationships, from some of those past hurts? Would you begin to look forward? And even though you might look unlovely right now, can I tell you, God can, God can change that in you. And he can do it for your spouse. He can do it for your friend. He can do it for that long lost family member. He can do it, I promise. He can change the unlovely. He can love the unlovely. And just watch what happens. In fact, here's the last thing that I give you. It's just this, is that we, we come to love not by just finding the perfect person because the perfect person ain't out there, everybody. And no matter what you think, whether you think maybe the grass is greener on the other side, it's not, everybody. There's no perfect person out there. We come to love 
love not by finding the perfect person, but by seeing the imperfect person perfectly. And that's the miracle that God did in us. That's what he did in you. That's what he did in your life. That's what, the, that's what he did in my life. And he can do it for you too. He can begin to look at you, the imperfect person, and he can see you perfectly. Let's pray. Father, today, we thank you that even when we were unfaithful to you, even when we were unlovely to you, Lord, that you looked down and you loved us and you cared for us and you wanted to be with us. Lord, we thank you that we have you as the example of perfect love. Father, would you help us to strengthen our relationships? God, would you strengthen our marriages? Would you strengthen our families? Lord, strengthen our workplaces. Lord, strengthen our friends. God, help us to become so much more than just physically attractive. But God, help us to be spiritually attractive. God, help us to love you more. God, help us to set some standards in our life. God, help us to become emotionally attractive as well. That God, more than any of the physical stuff, we, we, we just love people. We value them. We call the best out of them. God, would you help us to do that this week in our relationships? Lord, you're so good. Your love for us is so good. We thank you for loving us, the imperfect. We thank you. We thank you for who you are. With your heads bowed, eyes closed, if that's you in this room today, and you say, I, I've been unfaithful, I've been an imperfect person when it comes to a relationship with God, with a relationship with others, maybe you're in this room and you say, I, I just want to be made new today. Well, God's in the business of making things new. That's what he wants to do in your life. Today, you could recommit or commit your life to Christ, maybe for the first time. You can give everything that you have over to him. If that's you in this room, would you just pray this simple prayer? In fact, church, because we believe it, would you just say this after me? Say this, say, dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on a cross for me. But I believe that you raised him from the dead. Jesus, I make you my Lord. I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Would you give it up for all the people who prayed that prayer with us this morning? Thank you for listening to The Real Church Podcast. If you would like to partner with us financially or you live in the Southern Illinois area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out realchurch.info. 